Hello, Duck fans! This is Locked on Ducks. Welcome. My name is Jordan Long, your host. And Locked on Ducks is your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on Oregon Ducks football and basketball. You can always find me on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy, and you can find the show at Locked on Ducks. Uh, recording on a Saturday here today. Uh, just got back from a couple of days traveling. I spent a day in Philadelphia uh, attending a podcast symposium hosted by John Barshard of the Go Birds podcast and 94WIP Sports Radio Philadelphia. Shout out to him and everyone who attended. It was a really good time. And I had the opportunity to better myself and learn good things uh, to make the podcast better. And I look forward to bringing that to the table. It was a really exciting time. I got to see the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall and eat my first cheesesteak. Very excited as an Eagle fan to go see the Philly Philly statue, statue outside of Lincoln Financial Field. But uh, in any case, I got back uh, yesterday late in the day and really there wasn't time to record. I was really hoping to get a podcast out yesterday, but we're doing it today. So I'm very excited to be able to be bringing you something today. And we're going to get to it in a minute, but we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about basketball. Uh, I do want to uh, talk for another minute about the experience and how that's going to affect the show. One thing that I really pride myself in is an open dialogue where the confidence that comes from being honest with my audience is going to lend itself to success and a better experience for you and a better experience for me. And as a result of that, and I've talked about this the last few days, but one of the formats that I'm incorporating into the show is to be much more extemporaneous and work from notes. So instead of making a list of things that I have to talk about when I open the show, I just want to open the show and make sure that I hit those things from memory, but also talk a bit more off the cuff, shooting from the hip and speaking more from the heart. I think that's going to make a better experience for everybody. And if you want to make a contribution or have some thoughts on that, I would love to hear from you uh, on Twitter if you use the hashtag AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. Put that hashtag in your tweet and I will read it. I will check it out. We'll talk about it on the show. I'm always open to uh, comments, criticism, suggestions, and ideas. I like to think of this as the people's podcast and everyone's experience is improved when we all get to participate. Uh, and also include some questions. Uh, ask me about things that I cover, players on football and basketball. Uh, speaking of basketball, I do talk about women's basketball quite a bit more than some of the other college locked on stations. Part of that has to do with the fact that Sabrina Ionescu, one of the best overall college basketball players in the game right now, is playing for Oregon. Another part of that is that Kobe's legacy and we talked a little bit about this a couple times when we discussed Kobe's memorial service, but his wife really wanted to drive home the point that he wanted his legacy to be in part a dedication to 
women's basketball as much more than just a hobby or a sideshow that it's it absolutely needs to be taken as seriously as men's basketball so that's what i aim to do on this show we are going to start out with football today and uh you can always reach the show i, I talked about hashtags ask Lodpod. also uh make sure you click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on that's a really great way to support the show. I love the subscriptions. I love the followers. Uh, it's it's really a good way to make sure that you're getting all the content. Like today, I'm, I'm releasing on a Saturday, but you may not be expecting anything till Monday. So click subscribe. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take the time to just click five out of five stars. That really helps the show too. And maybe I'm fishing here for some stars, but it, in a fledgling show, that's that's extremely helpful. And if you don't think I should get five out of five stars, which I respect the heck out of you for not just clicking five out of five for the, for my sake, but for your sake, click five out of five anyway, and then tell me why in a show review. And I'll read that review, and I'll make sure I try and get it fixed for you, okay? And always reach out to the show. Like I said, the People's Podcast. Anyway, this is Locked on Ducks, and now on to the action. We're going to start today talking a little bit about Oregon Ducks. It was, uh, there was sort of a junior day this weekend. And what I mean by that is the top seven on seven programs in the Pacific Northwest, actually all, all up and down the West Coast, came to Portland to compete in the Passing Downs Northwest Regional Tournament. And there was uh, uh, one of the, if not the top rated wide receiver was participating in this. Now, uh, his name is Ameka Egbuka. And if, if you can send me in some pronunciation help on that, I'd really appreciate it. I saw, watched a lot of his tape, but no uh, interviews I could find where it, uh, he said his name. So, Emeka Egbuka from Stalecum uh, High School in Washington. Six foot one, 190 pounds. He's a senior right now. 24-7 Sports Composite has him as a five-star rating. And when I say five stars, that's .9944, which is almost the best that their composite ranking can have. So, like I've talked about, 24-7 sports uh, composite ranking, it is an amalgam of different websites and rating systems across the country that they take into one and give us a, a one-shot number on that. Now, while they're here for the Passing Downs Northwest Regional Tournament, which is a seven-on-seven tournament of all the West Coast top talent, he's going to pay a visit to Eugene. It's going to be his first visit to Eugene, and well, no, to get this at the All American Combine, which is a laser, which has laser timing on the forty. This is January fourth of last year, so a year and a couple months ago, he had a forty time of four 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 two. I'm sorry, four point four two, and that is extremely fast, even for a wide receiver who's fully developed. So this guy as you know four months into his junior year ran a 442 and that's laser timed it's official also in the opening regional <clears throat> excuse me in the opening regional in may of last year he had a 419 shuttle time and a 35 inch vert and that's all as a junior so now as a senior everyone in the nation has his eyes on him a lot of people are comparing him to juju smith schuster in the nfl uh, current Pittsburgh Steeler and one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. This kid, uh, Egbuka, has had offers from over 30 schools, scholarship offers, and they include LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. 
And this is his first official visit to Eugene and his first official visit to Oregon Ducks. So very excited to see how that goes. I'm going to be keeping you updated. This would be not just a phenomenal replacement for uh, Juwan Johnson, who we've talked about quite a bit in the last week uh, with the NFL Combine going on. but And we're going to talk more about Juwan. But anyway, uh, Egbuka, if he does settle on Oregon, this would be amazing. And there's there's plenty of reason to think that he will. I mean, after all, the kid's from Washington. He's a West Coast kid. And Oregon is a really strong program that, you know, it, I think the conversation can come down to wanting to be a big fish in a small pond or a big duck in a small pond, if you will, or going to someplace like LSU. I mean, do you want to play second fiddle to a guy like Jamar Chase, who has played the last three years with Joe Burrow and is one of the most outstanding and well-decorated receivers in college football? Or do you want to start as an outstanding freshman at a school like Oregon where you can put in three years, at least three years, if not all four, but I, I, I'm sure he'll go as a junior, put in three years in Oregon catching passes from Tyler Shug or whoever wins that QB competition. So it's going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, also visiting Eugene during the tournament, uh, Stalecum's uh, Outside linebacker DJ Fryer, he's a three-star prospect. He's also a teammate of Egbuka. So we're going to be following up on that and a lot of good information going forward there. So May 5th actually kicked off the spring practice, but before really getting into the details on that, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute to talk about the May 5th spring practice and then we're going to talk about basketball. Welcome back. This is Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and we just finished talking about one of the top wide receiver prospects in the nation having a visit with the Oregon Ducks this weekend. But now I want to talk about the May 5th spring practice. So Thursday kicked off spring practice, and they're going to play Saturday today. They're going to play Tuesday, and they're actually going to play nearly every other day through through April 17th. On April 18th is the first spring spring game, which is going to be 2 p.m. at Autzen Stadium. Now, don't forget, March 12th is the pro day, so we're going to be tracking on Herbert, Dye, and all the other prospects that we're, we're talking about this last week that coming out of the Combine. It's sort of the midpoint between the Combine and the draft, so we'll be following up on that when, when the time comes. So Coach said, uh, Coach Cristobal said that the Ducks' defense is going to be improved quite a bit from last year. And what's interesting about this is they improved in 2018 from 42nd in the nation on yards allowed to 11th in the nation in yards allowed. So that is a, a huge step up. And for Coach to come out and promise that they're going to improve even more on that is a, is a great sign. He said that they looked like a veteran defense during this first day of spring practice. He talked about people getting in and out of sets on time and coming onto the field ready to play and getting their coverages and calling calling what they see, calling the shots uh, accurately. He, he did mention that they need to fight complacency, that coming off a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl win, he kind of thought there might be some complacency, but that the veterans on the team, the veterans that they do have, really put to, to rest this idea that there was going to be any complacency coming into spring. He said their priorities are going to be with regard to special teams. They're looking at the coverage units and the priorities on defense are really going to be a better efficiency in the passing game, especially on third down. So what's really exciting to me about this is 
We all know about Justin Herbert's phenomenal quarterbacking play in the last several years. So if we're going to take Tyler Shug and improve on what the Ducks have done over the last few years with Justin Herbert, and we're going to do a lot more with Shug going forward. So you can look forward to profiles on him. But if they're going to improve on what Justin Herbert had going on regarding Tyler Shug, then I think there's going to be no break, no pause, nothing to worry about regarding the quarterback position. Now, there is competition for the quarterback position, and I'm doing, you know, like the, don't be hasty, right? So I'm so I'm definitely jumping to conclusions on Shug. We're going to be watching the quarterback's competition going forward, but I'm just really excited that they're paying attention to this, especially those third down conversion rates. Now, they're also focusing on offense on protection up front. They did lose four starters this year. We've talked a lot about them. In fact, six offensive players lost to, and I say lost, but for them it's a definite win going into the NFL draft. Six is the most offensive players the Ducks have ever sent to the NFL draft. So real success there, but at the same time you have to be able to make up for that in spring training in the subsequent years. So again, Coach Cristobal says that one of the priorities during spring training is going to be that protection up front, making up for the loss of veterans. And the the priority on defense he talked about, and I'm going to quote here, chasing the new standard. Okay, that's what he says. You're going to chase the new standard. And what what he means by that is that the new standard is improving from 42nd to 11th in one year in yards allowed. We talked about that earlier in the show, right? And he says that's a new standard, that 11th in the nation in yards allowed, which is pretty good when you think about the hundreds of football programs out there. That improving on 11th in the nation is the new standard. So that's like high floor, 11th, and even higher ceiling, above 11th. Very excited about that. Conditioning was very evident uh, during the spring training. You know, they had two months off, essentially, right? So it's really this winter conditioning. And Coach Cristobal called it a season within a season. He said they got everything they wanted out of this. So while I call it, I, I, I frankly think of it as the offseason. We won the Rose Bowl. We're going to go celebrate, spend the winter with our families, and we'll be back on March 5th to practice, and we'll show up and start getting ready. Well, it was really quite evident that this quote-unquote winter season within a season was, uh, no, there were no setbacks, no surprises. They hit the ground running and ready to go. Michael Wright was getting cornerback reps with a number one defense, which we're all excited to, t- to talk about and watch going forward. We did a uh, an initial foundational pre- player profile on Brian Addison, the or excuse me, Brian Addison, the wide receiver. He apparently was winning those physical battles against Wright. Now Addison is a big, big receiver, and we expect him to be able to climb the mountain and pull it down. So that's going to be fun watch, uh, fun to watch going forward. Javon Holland was fielding punts. He did it last season, but now he's getting big returns in this first day of practice. They got Thomas Graham Jr., who we're going to talk about when we get to the defensive side of the ball, moving over to inside safety. And there were several people who missed practices due to illness. Now, we're not going to be too surprised, right? We got some, you know, whatever, these coronavirus scares and stuff. But also, it's a flu season. You take, you take the day off, you get well, you come back 100%. And you don't make anyone else sick, right? That's the way to do it. That's the way to go. They were smart for doing it. So Ryan Walk, and I, I, I hate to use the term heir apparent here because 
he misses practice because of an illness, and that's fine. We talked about how that's fine. But now Alex Forsyth is snapping to Shug. So it's great practice for a backup, but also creating some competition for Walk, the quote-unquote heir apparent to Jake Hansen at the center position. Sam Putasi and Malasai Amuai Laulu. Now, please correct me if I butchered those names. I'm going to be working on it. We're going to get these right. That's my intent. Anyway, at the tackles, we got Panay Sewell, who we're definitely going to be talking about in our playoff profiles going forward, and Stephen Jones. So they practiced in the Mo, the big Mo, the Mashovsky Center, uh, because it was cool outside. They, uh, coach wanted to increase the heat. They did practice in helps and shorts, but he wanted it to be a little warmer. So they went inside the Mo. Let's go ahead and listen to a few seconds of audio from Coach Cristobal talking about, you know, summing up kind of this first day of practice. First impression, um, you know, the physicality of our football team was always going to be a point of emphasis showed. Their conditioning showed up. Uh, we look faster. Um, certainly on defense, we, we look like a veteran defense in the way that we run around, the way we get um, our communication established and, and whatnot. Offensively, these guys have really taken to a new system very quickly and saw a lot of really good things day one. So um, that being said, ready to go over whatever questions you have. Really good stuff from Coach Cristobal there. I'm really excited going forward, and we're going to be bringing you updates on spring practice every couple of days going forward. Next up, I want to talk about men's basketball before taking a quick break. Number 13, Oregon. Yes, they finished uh, number 13. We're going to get updates next week, and that'll be uh, moving into the Pac-12 tournament. It'll be very interesting to see, but number 13, Oregon, played Cal. California Golden Bears got destroyed 90-56. to Now, you see, what's at stake here is a share of the Pac-12 title and the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament next weekend. Now, the betting line on this game was the Ducks winning by 15, and the over-under was actually uh, 130 and a half, which seems fairly realistic to me. Cal was not, definitely not the favorite going into this one, and given what the Ducks are able to do to opponents when they get a lead, uh, they could deal with this, you know, bottom feeder in, in the Pac-12. Anyway, Anthony Mathis scored 14 points, and it, it was actually his most in Pac-12 play, the Ducks went on a 21-3 run to finish the first half when they were already up 25-18. to And this is exactly what we talked about in a previous podcast where we said we were really hoping that to finish the season they could get up to the point where their starters could get some rest and they weren't having to rely on one of the nation's best players in Peyton Pritchard to have to go the distance or play in overtime and tucker himself out going into the tournament. So very good news there. Oregon's going to be the number two seed at the worst going into tonight's game. The defense faltered a little bit in the second half, and we've talked a lot about that. We've harped on how when the defense fails in the second half, they fail big time. Cal went on a 20-point scoring run in the first eight minutes of the second half, but when they've been unable to compensate, it's because of the Ducks' offense fell short during those defensive droughts. You see, the offense was able to keep pouring it on. They responded to Cal with a 19-3 run after those initial 20 points that Cal scored. And so they kind of rendered this lack of defense a non-issue. When shooting more than 50% on home court, the Ducks actually win by more than 17 points. And they shot over 70% from the arc, going 12 of 17. 
and hence won by 34 points. I mean, right? So they win by half again as much. They win by half the margin. Now, it, it's the numbers aren't always that clean, but it sure worked out tonight. The backups got some good time, which was excellent. Nafale Dante, who we've been talking about as one of the top prospects in the nation coming out of high school, playing for the Ducks, but injuries caused him to see a lot less playing time than he would have liked. I don't think he's going to declare for the draft. I think he's going to want a better season next year. But he was able to play twice as many minutes in this game as he did in the last game, right? Going from five minutes to 11 minutes. And I think it's a great sign moving forward. He didn't have a huge performance, but this kind of continuation is going to be super helpful, right? Will Richardson on his injured ankle from the Oregon State game we talked about, he had 13 points and five rebounds. Peyton Pritchard actually passed 1,900 points in this game and has one game in the regular season, potentially three games in the Pac-12 tournament and then in the national tournament to get to 2,000 points. So we're going to be watching that closely. Tonight, the Ducks play Stanford for clear control of the Pac-12 regular season championship and the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament next weekend. Going into tonight's game, Oregon's ranked number three, of course. They're going to play Stanford at Matthew Knight Arena. Pritchard's the only player in the nation with 20 points, four rebounds, and five assists per game, so that's looking very promising. And putting his team on his back down the stretch and going into the tournament is going to be what carries him to the Elite Eight. And if he can do that, if we get to the Elite Eight, I think you're going to see him in the finalist for the Wooden Awards. And we talked about that last time. If you don't know what the Wooden Award is or want to hear more about it, listen to Thursday's podcast on that. Anyway, the Ducks lead the league in three-point shooting with almost 40%. And Friday's effort really put that on display. They shot over 70%, which was a Matthew Knight Arena record. Richardson, Mathis, and Pritchard are all in the top five in Pac-12 in three-point shooting. The Ducks are fifth in the nation on three-point shooting. And this is going to be really important against Stanford. Now, let me tell you why. See, the Cardinal is 13th in the nation in defending the three-point. Okay, so they've actually allowed less than 30% from the three-point line versus opponents. And that's actually doggone near the percentage that Stanford was able to hold the Ducks to in their last contest. So Oregon actually holds a tiebreaker over UCLA. And so if the Ducks win against Stanford, they're going to at least tie for the Pac-12 tournament title. Now, if UCLA, who plays USC today, and last I checked, it was like 45 to 42 USC, so I'm, I'm a Trojan fan right now. But if UCLA loses, it's going to be, and the Ducks win, it's going to be clear control of the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I'm sorry, clear control of the Pac-12 regular season championship, and they're going to be the number one seed going into the tournament. Stanford lost to Oregon State 68 to 65 on Thursday. Even though some late-game heroics brought Stanford back from 10 down and actually to lead by one with less than a minute remaining, uh, Oregon State was able to pull out the win. Now, Coach Jared Haas cited physicality on defense, as, as sort of, which is a staple of Cardinal play. And that was actually the reason for the second-half comeback. Despite not winning, we're really going to be on the lookout uh, tonight against Stanford for that physicality on defensive play. And hopefully the Ducks can step up in the second half. Stanford won their last meeting against the Ducks, 70-60. to That was on February 1st. And like I mentioned, the, the, the Cardinal held the Ducks to under 30% from three-point range, which is their average. 
Four of the Cardinal players are averaging over one steal per game, so we're definitely going to be watching turnovers tonight. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about women's basketball in just a moment. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about women's basketball. We've already talked, men, talked men's basketball and the spring practice, first one of the season for football. Uh, this is the Pac-12 tournament for the women. And uh, UNESCO, but before we get to the Pac-12 tournament, actually, Sabrina Ionescu, Ruthie Hebert, and Satu Sabli were all named to Wooden Awards ballot. So of the 10 players on the on the semifinalist list for the Wooden Award in women's basketball, three Oregonians are on it. That's the most. They're the only school with three people on that list. And if you want to know more about the Wooden Award, go back to Thursday's episode, and I go into details about how the voting occurs. What I even talk a little bit about what the award looks like. And actually, as a side note, one of the things I like to do is create this foundation, right? Where I can talk about the Wooden Award, how what it looks like, who votes on it, the the, the timestamps for when uh, the award is voted on, and that and the history of it in one episode. And then in future episodes, I can just refer to that one. You can go back and listen and learn the history of it. But that's just technique only. That's what I like to do. Anyway, Sabrina won the Wooden Award last year. So Sabrina Ionescu was the player of the uh, the best player in the nation according to last year's Wooden Award. And this is Ruthie Hebert and Satu Sabli's first time being on that finalist list. But nevertheless, we're going to be looking forward to all of these women getting drafted in the WNBA and some stellar performances going forward. Personally, I hope that Sabrina Ionescu the first Oregon Duck to ever win the Wooden Award, wins back-to-back -back awards. And I really think she should. We talked about 26 triple-doubles in our last women's basketball game review. We talked about the 2000-1000-1000 legacy. And to be among the handful of national treasures. I mean, I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's wife, all the, these national treasures speaking at his memorial service, Sabrina Ionescu got 10 minutes worth. Anyway, anyway, the presentation of the Wooden Award is going to be on April 10th on the ESPN College Basketball Award Show. I'm definitely going to be bringing you uh, knowledge of that, talking about it, reporting on it, uh, just what you can expect from Locked on Ducks. So, Pac-12 tournament kicked off Thursday night, and Utah played the University of Washington. This was a really competitive game on Thursday. Brigsby and Mendoza scored uh, in double digits for Washington, but the Utah held the Utes held the Huskies to no baskets in the final four minutes, which ended up allowing them to win down the stretch, seventy-two to sixty-three. On Thursday, Cal also Cal played ASU. Now it's Arizona State, so right, so Arizona State was killing it in the first half, but Cal. The California Golden Bears women's basketball team is known for their ability to force a lot of turnovers. And that really made the difference as they stayed in the game the whole way and finally took the lead to end the third quarter. And after that, they just kept pouring it on, winning the game 71-67. to Real phenomenal performance. Now, Friday's game, Friday, the first game of the day was at noon. And that was Cal playing Arizona. Now, I think Arizona's ranked 13th or 14th in the national rankings. So they were a heavy favorite going into this one. Arizona ended up having a big second quarter. And they left the Cal Bears with a 37-20 lead in that quarter. 
California never got closer than 13, losing to the Wildcats 86-73. to So Friday, that's yesterday, the second game of the day, I think it was 2 p.m., the Utes versus Oregon. Now Utah was up 17-11 to in the first quarter. Despite the Ducks jumping out to an early 7-5 lead with a real statement three-pointer by Satu Sabali. I just, I love these three-pointers that put the Ducks up or arrest momentum on an opponent's run. But the Ducks closed it with seven minutes to go in the second quarter, bringing it to a tie. I mean, they they responded to this Utah, almost like an upstart Utah to begin the game. But the Ducks were 8 from 12 from three-point land in the second quarter. So they finished the half 45 to 29, shooting 50% field goals on the whole night altogether. So the talk of the town was that three of four quarters were just simply good. We talked a little bit about how the second quarter was phenomenal, but three of four quarters, 75% was merely good. And when you get to this time of the year, good isn't good enough, okay? Right? Uh, they have 14 turnovers, which is uncharacteristically high for the Ducks. I mean, it could really mean the difference against the better teams that they're going to be facing. Not just Arizona tonight, but going forward when in the, uh, in, in the big tournament. So, Coach Graves said that in this time of the year, you don't have to play pretty. You just have to get the W. And I think that's a great acknowledgement to the way they play tonight. But we're going to want to see some improved play. Now, I was really pleased to see Chavez, Taylor Chavez, and Shelly off the, come off the bench and be leaders in the plus-minus category. And I think that's really where the Ducks like to excel. Okay? They they have these bench players who can come out and make a meaningful difference with the few minutes that they have on the court. Now, the coach coach called them world beaters in the second quarter, but Coach Graves also said they had to come back to, down to earth in this game. And he's expecting to pick it up a lot more for tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, that was, of course, Coach's reaction to last night's game. So tonight against Arizona... They're going to have to do a heck of a lot better than they did the first time. Against Arizona the first time they played them, back in January 12th, they had 17 turnovers. Now, we were just talking about how high turnovers in the case against uh, their game against Utah, 14 was a lot. So, 17 against Arizona was even more. Six of those allowed Arizona to take a 20-18 to lead at one point in that first outing in January 12th. Now, the Ducks went on to win after bouncing back in the second quarter, but I really think the key to tonight's game is going to be not turning it over, right? Winning that turnover battle. All right, that's going to do it for Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, and you can find me on Twitter at the Guy. We're going to have more for you tomorrow on this Pac-12 tournament special weekend, uh, spring practice weekend as well. You can always follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnDucks. And I would really appreciate it if you use the hashtags AskLodPod. Now that's hashtags AskLodPod to go ahead and send in questions, comments, suggestions. Everything's taken into account. We have a mailbag Mondays where we talk about uh, all the social media input. If you want to find, if you aren't a Twitter person and you want to come onto Facebook, you can find me. 
My name is Jordan Long on Facebook, and you can't miss it. I use the Locked on Ducks logo as my um, picture on Facebook. So just go ahead and send me a message. Tell me you're listening to Locked on Ducks podcast, and we'll take care of it. uh, Like I keep saying, this is the People's Podcast, and I count on you all for participation and endorsements and the only way we're going to have fun is by doing this together, okay? Because the object isn't just to learn about football and basketball because I can spout stats at you all day. The objective is to have fun doing it. And that's what you come to me for. That's what you come to Locked On for. And I'm just really excited to be doing this. Again, coming off my trip to Philadelphia, I learned a lot at the podcast symposium. And I hope to be bringing that to bear here on the show. Have a great weekend, have a good night, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, go Ducks!